Welcome back to another edition of Avax Lake, the second edition this week. It's not very often we do two podcasts in one week, but um, it's just such a big week we had to do two. So last uh, last time we saw you saw us that we did a, uh, a grand final championship edition. Now we're going to do the player ratings for the entire year. Joining me are the boys, uh, the man of the people, Buds. Hello. What's up? And- Champion there. <laughs> Chief analyst of the Bucks, like this is his bread and butter. Oh, this the is a chance it. to analyze each and every player. Uh, Dave, welcome. Hello. Good evening, boys. Uh, who's Good got evening. my Who's got my player list here? We're going to go through the players yes. right now. We're not going to fuck around with any kind of intro. You already know all about the Vuck's sake. Championne, championne, ole, ole, ole. So we're going to go through each player and we're going to give them a rating. Usually we used to do the old uh, the school grades, A, B, C, D, etc. I'm going to do, I'm going to change it up this year, do it a uh, out of 10. Before we get into the player ratings though, um, let's discuss a few things. The, the, the fact that we're in Asia again, that's a huge thing. We knocked Melbourne City out of their Asia spot and we also relegated Newcastle from their automatic qualification spot to a 0.5, which means they have to go through the um, their, their numbers literally have to fall off the back of their shirts I was going to mention just you know Brisbane Royal struggles like that qualification spot can be quite a minefield it's it's not easy and uh, yeah good luck Newcastle so before we get into the player uh, ratings as well actually no I'll, I'll leave that to later we'll leave, we'll leave next season to later so let's get into the player ratings, and we'll go through just quickly uh, the players out of the squad that didn't play this year was uh, McGill, but I don't think he got in, got in the uh, pitch. And uh, who was the other one? There was two out of the 23-man squad. There was... Uh, Pierce Waring had one appearance. One appearance. Um, and so, yeah, not really rateable. I think uh, Matt Acton as well, I'm not going to rate. We'll start from Josh Hope, um, but then we'll... In, in terms of appearance-wise, but we'll go through the... Well, Matt Acton def- had three appearances. I mean, it, you, you could say that he's worth talking about. The other guy that didn't feature, who was in the matchday squad, was young Matthew Sutton. Yeah, so those yep. two are unrateable. We can't rate them. They didn't play. Uh, so we'll go through the each line. We'll go through the goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, yep. and forwards. So we'll start off with just uh, Matt Acton, just for the, the, the pure sense that... Um, there is a, a chance, um, I would say about 50-50 right now, there's rumours that Lawrence Thomas is going to re-sign, and by the time this podcast goes to air, that could very much be announced. But there's also rumours that he will attract interest because of his form um, overseas. So there is a, a very high percentage that Matt Acton could actually be our number one goalkeeper heading into next season. Acton, Acton man. Yeah. I want to be an Acton man. Yeah, and, and from what we've heard, he's uh, quite the uh, operator. Quite the operator, quite the party animal. So three appearances throughout the start, uh, throughout the season. Um, he was... He was Okay, I, w- I would give him just let's say a five out of five out of ten. Three appearances, one clean sheet, very important. I think it was his debut game for this season that he achieved that, um, and a good shot stopper. And look, 
certainly a, a valid deputy for this season, and and I think um, you know when he was called upon, he did well. Yeah, must train the house down because uh, old mate Lawrence. Uh, didn't skip a beat when it mattered. So, and quite quite interesting for a reserve goalkeeper to sign a two year deal. Like there must be some kind of inkling that maybe there's there's a chance that he'll be playing first team football. The, the, as I said many times in this podcast, the the life of a reserve keeper always interesting. Yeah, and there's a number of factors at play. Like if you're a reserve goalkeeper and you are wanting security. You've obviously got to be fitting under the cap, and you know Melbourne Victory put a contract in front of you, let's say ninety k per season. You know, you might just say, "Well, I'm better off just biding my time and, and taking that money." Yeah, people go to university and get degrees and get paid way less than that. That's so, it. and he gets uh, he's got a good mentor, I think, who we have heard has paid his dues, and he may just be following those footsteps. Now, Dave, you can filter this by position, can't you? Just to make uh, sure, just for yes, future yes, reference, I, can, I know, I know how we, uh, we're not going to miss out on anyone. Um, the other goalkeeper, which is the man, Lawrence Thomas. Um, what were his stats, Dave? Give me his stats, Lawrence Thomas, for the oh, season. Look, you know, the clean sheet thing was a bit of a, a quandary for Melbourne Victory all season. We only had four yeah. the whole year. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly a great year on that front. But, um, look, Lawrence... Had an amazing season, uh, and, but look, there were times where people were questioning his credibility, and I think he he really actually established himself as an excellent A League level keeper. And as we discussed in our last episode, has probably taken the mantle of the best keeper in the league. Um, so you've got a couple of stats there around keeper one on ones and 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 keeper claim percentages and things like that. You know, he had a 80% keeper claim percentage. God knows what that means. Uh, maybe you guys can help me out there. Nah. <laughs> Claims attempted 106 over the season. And claim, claims successful 85. So 85 out of 106, that's some good odds there. Played the, uh, play the most minutes for victory, yeah. um, which I think you'd expect from a goalkeeper. But Well, that's um, right. But the thing is, I mean, he weathered... A lot of challenges throughout the year. He was injured a lot of times, uh, cussed twice. Uh, obviously, the grand final kicked in the face. Kicked in the face. The save percentages were equal for both keepers, but I think when you've got a greater time on the pitch mm-hmm. that Lawrence Thomas had, that is something really to be uh, marvelled at. 70% save percentage for Lawrence Thomas and Matt Acton. Claim, so, sorry, claimed to Joe Mars the medal, claimed two man of the matches, I think, in the finals when it mattered, and also claimed third place on the FVS Pacific Medal Group Balls of Steel Trophy. So give us oh, yeah. a rating out of 10, boys. Rating out of 10. 10. 10. 10. I'd say 8.5. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm probably clouded by the finals. Let's uh, overall, holistically, probably an 8 out of 10, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jace. 8.5. Um, I think the, the finals and, and silverware ultimately is where it, where it comes down to. And Lawrence was a key part of us getting into Asia and being champions of Australia. So, yeah. yeah Take away the season that we had, which was up and down, and you know he had a couple of howlers here and there, and all of that. I think yeah, eight point five. He had a 10, ten out of ten finals. I think. Yes. I might ask you as well throughout the course of this player ratings, gone or staying next year. This is a tough one because Melbourne Victory, and I think any sensible A League club, shouldn't ever overspend on goalkeepers. It's just one of those situations in a salary caps league where you don't want to you know, overdo it in that position. And I think if there are offers and if there are suitors out there for him, 
he will go and, you know, show us the money. Al Nasser's been one of the suitors from yes. uh, Saudi and uh, big, big money there. The thing is, though, that contract, you're not going to get a transfer fee from you. Ah, but transfer. there have been contract negotiations during the season that we heard. But and I think there's such thing on... as a sign and trade in, uh, in A-League terms. That's a very much a basketball term where you sign and then trade for a bit of... Uh, yeah, that's a very US sports This thing. will be, you know, there's a lot of players that are off contract. We'll get into that. But the whole Lawrence Thomas scenario is going to be one to follow this offseason. Okay, Dave, I'll get you to just uh, filter out those defenders and you can choose who we start on for the defenders. Sure thing, pal. I think we're going to start with our makeshift utility erstwhile. <laughs> left back in Lee Broxham. 27 games he played. That is nearly every single game this season. I think he missed one, if memory serves. So what, we played 27 plus three finals. So we played about 30 games over the course of the season. Maybe he missed three. So he missed then. a couple. But uh, <laughs> as we mentioned in the last podcast on Tuesday night, Lee Broxham every single year starts off the season not in the best 11 on paper, but every single year he finishes as an instrumental part of the first 11. And once again, he showed his versatility. Um, he showed great character to back it up every weekend, despite, you know, it doesn't matter where he's playing. He he backed it up, mostly primarily in defense this year, uh, primarily as a replacement for Dan Georgievsky, um, who we kind of, you know, sorely missed throughout the year. But in the end, he's a championship player once again and very instrumental part. I'm going to give him... Look, he didn't set the house on fire, but he played a role, 7 out of 10. Yeah, look, uh, out of the entire back four of which he was a part of, he had the best passing percentage out of the lot. Mm, interesting. Um, and also, you know, it was extremely good when it came to passes completed. Possession, not so good. But look, I would probably go 7.5 for Lee this season. 7.5 for me. Yep. Cool. Next one. Well, interestingly... The Fox Sports people have listed Matthias Sanchez as a defender here. I'm going to skip him and go straight to Reese Williams, who appeared 25 times for Melbourne Victory this season. I feel so crushed for Reese Williams yeah. that he missed out on a grand final because going into the season, we had some queries on his body and whether it would hold up. And it did. It did until the final two weeks of the season. And you cannot help but feel absolutely crushed for the bloke. That he came and he came to victory with a purpose to win a championship, to probably play himself into some World Cup form, and I think he satisfied that all that criteria until the final two weeks of the season. He misses out on the championship. I hope he still feels a part of it. I'm not sure how you feel as a player not playing in a grand final. Do you still feel a part of it, etc.? I think he will. I hope he does. He looks like he's been celebrating, like he feels part of it. And I think <laughs> if there's a group that's going to make him feel. Part of it's probably our group. They look like they're a really strong bunch of lads. Um, he came in, finally, we look like we'd replaced Matthew Delpierre, who's probably mm-hmm. the best ever defender to come into this league, and Reese has been outstanding. Absolutely 100%. outstanding. 9.5. 9.5, I'm giving Yeah, you. and before we even get to, to my grade, and like, what I want to say about it is that when the, season, when the signing happened, it was you know, very early in the off-season when we picked him up. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was just so doubtful because he's made a balsa wood you know, in terms of his history on the treatment table. And I'm looking over at his stats and, like, you could just see in terms of passes attempted and the amount of possession that he had, he was the guy that set 
things up from the back. And, you know, that's what Del Pierre was, as you just touched on, and so instrumental in our season. And, yeah, I'm also gutted for the bloke. And I'm, I'm going to go 8.5 as well. Did you go 9.5? No, 9.5. I think it was Sorry. <laughs> very close to perfect, in my opinion. I, I would have given him possibly a 10 had he not had the propensity to get fouled so much. That was a very time. early thing, though. Towards the, like that was a very thing, a very bad thing in the early parts of the season. But he actually improved on that. I thought he improved. Yeah, I remember us talking about his kamikaze style mm. early on. He just came out so aggressively, and you know he was on four yellow cards in the like first what six games or something like that. And we were really worried, you know, given the lack of depth and you know Donicky was injured at the time. You know, we thought this was going to cause all sorts of problems. Uh, you're all ready? Nine. Nine. Uh, gone or staying? Staying. He's, in oh, con- he's on he's contract, staying. but he might attract some interest. Look, I, yeah, that's that's the problem, isn't it? And this is the whole salary cap thing com- coming back again. Look, I really, really want him to stay. And um, I think there's, you know, depending on what else happens in the squad, there's room for us to perhaps give him a little pay bump. But, yeah. Hopefully uh, he has a sense of unfinished business. I was just about to say, I think that had he made the grand final team and we'd won. I think he may have seen uh, mm-hmm. this is job done and heist completed. And Anyway. Do we want to do Donicky next? He's uh, his partner in crime? We can. Yes. Yeah, Donnickey. James Donicky, 15 appearances. So obviously he had that injury, you know, yep. big big layoff early in the season and uh, but became a fan favourite, obviously, and just imperious in the air. His ability to... To, to break up play as well. And he didn't mind being a bit adventurous sometimes too. I mean, he was the stay-at-home central defender out of the two. Yeah. Developed an amazing understanding with Reese, and that was part of how we kept our heads above water during the season. Came to victory without any assurances that he'd be in the That's first right. 11. Behind uh, Nick Ansel. Ended up uh, you know displacing Nick Ansel towards the end of last season and really forming himself as a really crucial part of our first 11. So much so that I think that we did miss him in the first... 10, 10 or so weeks of the season. Just amazing. Like, with, you know, the fact that Reese Williams was out in the grand final was okay because of the fact that we had James Donnerkey there. I think James Donnerkey had a great season despite the fact that he didn't play many, as many games. I think James Donnerkey was a very crucial part of our squad. I'm going to give him an 8.5. Turned up to the final series with hair like Annie Lennox. Yes. <laughs> Played like Cannavaro. Mm. Uh, was huge. Uh, and the leader. Yeah, yeah leader. Back four. Gets yeah. it done on the field and also looks like he gets Ooh, it done yeah. off the field as well in more ways than one. Our boy Donicky lad. Uh, good man. Uh, for me, 8 out of 10. Hope he stays. 8.5 out of 10 for me and, yeah, ditto on the hope, hope he stays. stays, but he's gone. He's gone. Um, Jai uh, Ingham on his Instagram stories was filming Donnie as we all know. And they, were, and they were chanting one more year out of him. So I think that means the players know he's gone. And he was oh. giving them nothing. He was just brushing it off, dancing Yeah, around. but on the flip side, we don't have the context. Maybe, maybe the one more year was that he said, all right, I'll stay one more year. Maybe. Now, I think if a Korean club came in for him, ah. he'd, he'd have a career in Korea. He'd be mad not He'd to. have a career in Korea. Oh, a bad career like, choice. Like uh, Sasha Og... Ogdenovsky. That's right. I yeah. think I think he'd be very successful over there. The Asian clubs love the you know the big 
Australian central defenders are great in the air and all of that, and Donachie fits the bill. Won't be able to pull the rough stuff over there like he does That's when he right. does it against Hart, which we love him for. <laughs> next defender. The next defender is Thomas Dang. 24 appearances this season, and of course played the first portion of the season as a central defender. But upon the departure of Jason Guerrier was shifted into right back and, you know, it was at right back where he scored that worldie. Like a fine one, he got better with time. I think he started off the season a little bit sketchy, um, was susceptible to some really foolish mistakes in defence, which cost a few goals at the start of the season. But towards the end of the season, I couldn't really fault him. I thought that he was uh, certainly sound. And I would say that overall, given his troubles in the early parts of the season, I'm going to give him a seven. But still very good. Yeah, I'll give him a seven. Scored two worldies this season. Um, He, yeah, did look like he got caught out of position too many times. Um, Was the culprit for quite a number of goals in the... uh, that overlap of the calendar years part of the season that we have, which uh, always seems like so long ago when you get to this time of the uh, the end of the season. Uh, Tommy came real good when it mattered, and he's only going to get better. I I think we're going to hold on to him if he keeps this form up for one more year at yeah. max. Uh, was one that when he came back from not really doing too much over in uh, Holland, you thought, oh, surely he's going to get better just purely by the training, and it looks like it was a good experience for him. and um, Yeah. I have absolutely no doubt that Thomas Deng is a future senior soccer Yeah, Really? Definitely. 100%. Mm-hmm. He, he has so much in his kit bag. You know, he's got pace. He's got the leap and the aerial ability. You know, we talked about the combination in the last episode between him and Donachie and their aerial dominance, and they were just phenomenal. And, yeah, he's already doing this. On a regular basis, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to Australian players excelling domestically first before venturing overseas. He had his little thing, and this is a a good lesson to be learned about going out on loan. So he went to PSV out on loan, tested it out a bit, learnt a few things, came back. That's you know a little bit of a, a template perhaps that players can start to look to. Uh, you're running, Dave. Cool. Uh, I'm going to leave out Jason Gary. I don't want to talk about him. He left. You don't? 21 appearances, though. He left. He left. Okay, we're going to skip. He left. Let's skip. Uh, Let's let's just focus on current squad. Uh, So the next one would be Stefan Nigro, if I'm not mistaken. Stefan Nigro is the last man we talk about here. 18 appearances across the season. And I feel like when it comes to talking about Stefan Nigro, it's a difficult thing because he's been asked to play in positions that He's not, you know, natural to. And I heard him today on, um, might have been uh, the Daily Football Show, and they talked about the fact that you know he has been this kind of utility man, like a like a you know the new Broxham in, yeah. in many respects. And he took it, you know, like a champ, and he was just like, "I'll play wherever the manager wants to play me." And look, that's great and everything, but I want to see Stefan if he stays at the club, which I think he will start to cement a, a spot in the side permanently. Yeah, I can't see anyone approaching him. We've kind of... we took, Have we stifled his development a little bit because we haven't played him? Well, he's the, a Melbourne Victory supporter yeah. growing up and Melbourne Victory through and through. I'm sure 
even if there was a slightly better offer given to him, I'm sure he'd want to stay. I think we'll see the best of him next year. I mean, it's a very big year for him. Last year we had, was it last season, we had the hashtag free Negro? Yep, yep. So we've gone from free Negro to starting 11 grand final team championship winning player so yeah, I think I think it's a big year for his development I think mate, possibly all, all we all know that he's been the utility man and he has some pretty tough tasks he had a bad four first 45 minutes against Sydney in the semi-final as uh, you're ever going to have as a young player taking on the likes of Mijewski and, yeah. and Ninkovic when they were you know switching up like scoring an own goal having yeah. an own goal come in off you so incredible and the learning experience hmm. he would have got out of that. And they targeted him. They started... Yeah. Dimi Petrato started targeting him early in the grand final, and he stood up. He stood up, and he had a good um, a good three other guys in the uh, in the trenches with him, so to speak, in the defence. So, uh, Steph, ha, ha, actually a hard one to mark yeah. this season, I think. I'll give him six. I'll give him the, a, I'm going to say six as well. Hmm. I, I'm going to say seven. Um, mainly because, you know his age and experience and what he's been asked to do as a player. Um, and look, I know you wanted to gloss over Gary, but yeah, 21 games and, you know, was a reasonable performer across the season. Not the Gary that we saw of the 2015 championship, but mm. yeah, good luck to Jason overseas. On to the midfielders now. We'll start off with the Argentinian Matias Sanchez. And um, once again, just like Stefan Nico, really hard man to, to really pigeonhole on this one. Played probably two or three good games for mine. How many minutes, Dave? Just check that minute. How many minutes? Because I think, so for comparison's sake, I think uh, Carl Valeri might have played um, a total of two, three, six, eight minutes. So 2,368. Sanchez, how many, how many did Sanchez Looks play? Like 1,206. 1,206. Yeah. So half the amount. So not uh, really a great amount of time um, that Sanchez played. And yeah, it's just for a... For a foreign player, that's not really what you want. So oh, it was an made... absolute bust for in terms of a visa spot. He was a bust. Yeah, huge bust. After, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it's it's hard to grade him in in that sense because he you know <laughs> he's immediately judged on different criteria by virtue of the fact that he takes that foreign spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, his passing percentage was really good at seventy eight percent. Not as good as the rest of his uh, you know fellow midfielders, but. You know, he did have 25 appearances, so he played a lot off the bench uh, coming in to play yeah. bit, bit part roles. Average 48 minutes per game. So he started a few games, averaged 48 minutes per game, so pretty much a half of football every week that he uh, appeared. I You can't go over five for this guy. I'm going to say four. Yeah, I'm going to say four as well. Yeah, four and a half. And gone? Has has to be gone next year. It didn't. Add, it didn't add enough. Didn't I don't see what the point is in yeah. persisting with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, you know, we talked about how he sort of came in for Mahazi as mm. as that kind of player, and how he might come in and play more of a role during the Asian campaign. But then, of course, he didn't make yeah. the Asian campaign. And then there were some crucial periods where Kev persisted with Carl in the Asian Champions League. I was League. just going to so, say that. Yeah. Like, you could have got the same out of Mahazi as what you would have got Mr. Sanchez. Definitely. Uh, the captain, Carl Valeri, um, interesting because I would say for 24, 25 weeks, everyone said it was done. And then the last four or five weeks, he really came and showed uh, the true Carl Valeri. And I think in the end, um, was very integral towards our championship. 
how do you rate that season? Look, there are a few there are a few people who on Twitter, um, Australian soccer Twitter and some journos as well that came out and said that Carl Valeri was becoming too much of a whipping boy and people were getting clouded by their their want to make Carl the whipping boy and I don't know whether that's true or not, but Carl in, in the point of the season that we were slow and we were predictable and we were crap. He was pretty slow and predictable and crap at times. But mm-hmm. he... The barometer. He's, yeah, he, probably he, the barometer. Here's my take on it. I think his season very much mirrored the season of Kevin Musket. There was a extremely poor start and we seemed to think that Carl was... You know, he slowed down a bit. You know, the game had passed him by and everything like that. And that kind of mirrored what we were saying about Kev. Like, he doesn't, you know, he's frustrating. He doesn't give us enough inspiration. And as the season grew older, the experience and the class started to rise to the top. And I think we saw that with Carl in the last sort of 10 games of the season. And obviously, the final series, he was just amazing. Uh, I think Archie Thompson made a specific comment about texting Carl Valeri after the Sydney semi-final win, saying, mate, if you're playing a semi-final like that, you, you're you going around again another year. Yeah, but Archie's going to say that because Archie didn't know when to give it in either. That's <laughs> <laughs> just, just the truth. Archie's, oh, yeah. Archie still thinks he can play at the highest level. That's for damn sure. Uh, let's give it a rating. It's tough to give him a rating. I'm going to give him a, a 6.5. 7 for me. 7. Look, I would give him a 5 for the season. And an eight for the finals, so somewhere in between. So yeah. you put those together and divide them by two, and you get a six point five. So yeah. I think it'll be a six point five for me. On to the next one, and that's Terry Antonius. He came in January, uh, a really slow start. I thought trying to find his his feet uh, his feet at, uh, in Melbourne Victory, trying to find a purpose, trying to find a role. Uh, towards the end, I think he did find a role. Really beside Carl Valeri, he did obviously try out in James Teresi's role for a period of time. Yep. But that final series, what else can you ask for? He he etched his name into Melbourne Victory folklore. He really grew into his role, you know, at, at Melbourne Victory, and eventually was dominant. You know, like we're talking about, particularly in that Sydney game in the semi final, O'Neill and Berlante have absolutely bossed every other midfield in the league now for two seasons running. Terry Antonis showed them up, and. Yeah, look, he, we, we heard for a while there that this was a guy that Kevin Musk was tracking for a long time. He finally got his man, and it took a little while. And this will happen at any football club. It takes time for players to adjust to the system of the manager. He came in with big expectations to the fan base because he came in as a direct swap for Mark Milligan, who left, basically. And people were expecting big things from him early, coming from uh, Vavava Venlo. <laughs> In the area of the and uh, Terry absolutely vucked on everybody in the uh, the final series. Uh, Terry was good. Terry's going to bring some big things for us. I think um, really happy with his uh, season and what he brought. Rating for Terry. I'm going to give Terry an eight because there were times when we were playing the ball backwards and sideways and Terry was running forwards and we were like, yeah, bring us more of this, bring us more of this, bring us more of this. Mm. And uh, yeah, eight for me. He has a dynamism in the midfield that a lot of other A-League level midfielders don't have. 
and his positioning and the way he sort of seems to have awareness on the park is better than others. Eight for me as well. I'm agreeing with eight. And, of course, he's locked in for next season. He's not going anywhere. Uh, do we include uh, James Teresi in the midfield position? Yes, I think yeah. we should, yeah. So, I can't rate him either. Like, it's, it's a really tough one to so rate. So hard, yeah. Um, with what he... Let, let, actually, you know what? I, I, I Even despite the fact he's got a goal against... Sydney FC in the the semi final, even despite the fact that he you know did show improved work rate in the grand final, which he should. This season, compared to expectations, is an abject failure of James Teresi. Yeah, do you want to go? Or? Oh, look, I'm, yeah. I'm, when you're going to think about James, think about where we were when he was shopping himself around, when he was refusing to re-sign for the club, when it was shop window in the final series last year, when he apparently was about to sign on the dotted line for Melbourne City when he was hocking himself to Maccabi Haifa, when he was holidaying with Tim Cahill, when he was doing Mm. everything but committing himself to this club, then all of a sudden turns up in a Melbourne victory shirt, uh, signing on the dotted line, saying this is where he wanted to be the whole time. And then apparently, you know, having a handshake agreement that he's going to be the marquee for next season and putting in the season really like he did. He's not more than... he. I can't give him less than a five or more than a six. I just... Yeah. He, was, he was incredibly disappointing. You know, on the, on the tram up to Jason's today, we were sort of discussing how we're going to go around this criteria and sort of like below expectations or above expectations... We talked about this in the preseason that that James Truisi had a lot of trust to earn back with us this season, and apart from the last three to four games, I don't think he won my trust back at all. And I will say it right now: I would be happy if you know a, a different club came in for him and, and took him off our hands. I don't want him as our marquee player. I don't want to have a player who's paid above the cap to be someone that, let's face it, was below expectations this season. You know, he was missing, obviously, from, from you know, Socceroos duties here and there and, and all that. But it, fundamentally, your number 10 player, compare what his output was to, you know, Sydney FC and their attacking midfielders and all of that. I just don't think that's money well spent. And, yeah, I'm going to go with six. And you just, sorry, Yego. We give Sanchez a four. Hmm. I'm going less than that. I'm going to go a wow. three. Because look look at his, like, as a playmaker, his job is to score and assist. He had four, uh, four assists this season, yep. which is equal to Costa Barbarossa's, less than Bessart Barucha on six, just above... Terry Antonis on three, who only played half the season. He didn't do his job this year. And yes, he, he played in the grand final and he's part of a championship team, but he did not meet anyone's expectations. And he will hinder us next year if he displays that form as a marquee player. He will be an absolute fucking liability for us next year if he's a marquee player. Five goals from 44 shots, and I think two of those were tap-ins. It's, yeah, it's 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 really bad, and the thing is, especially with this marquee stuff, if it hasn't been signed yet, he's going to make the match day squads of the Socceroos in Russia. I I firmly believe that. Really, and 
his age, his agent is just gonna push. The agent games are gonna be crazy with him. You, so you guys have turned me. I'm I'm gonna revise it to a five because, yeah, I, I, it it's been so disappointing. Uh, and I I think back to that, you know, fast that he led us through in the in the uh, off season mm. of last. Yeah, season. Look, the thing the thing with James is too that no one wants him to succeed more than the three of us sitting at this table. I think I think there's there's no two ways about that. And I suppose for most of the fan base, people want James Troisi to people are disappointed because people know what he's capable of. When he turns it on, he is dynamite in this league. Him him actually being uh dropped to the wards to the bench was a catalyst in the, the changing of the season for us. So that's hmm. a big moment. Um, I think it showed that the boys' club was no longer as strong as what it once was. Uh, just a, a really, really quick word on Mark Milligan, who was part of that midfield group for a really short period of time. Um, not much really to say on Mark Milligan, I wouldn't have thought. He didn't want to be at the club, mm. and that was pretty obvious from early on. Uh, I think Melbourne Victory were the fallback option for him, and he was out the door as soon as an opportunity arose. Mm-hmm. 14 games total. Averaged about 78 minutes, scored three, six assists. Two from the pen spot, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, won us the Christmas derby. Um, Which was nice. Nice of him to go out on that note. Um, that's about it. He left on a, it's a really interesting one with him. He was polarised when he came to the club, polarising figure, championship captain, came back, everyone, we never really replaced him. We got him back, and he didn't want to be here. Left in bad terms. Left, basically just left. Here's the thing, though. It was a mistake to get him, but in the end, we actually cashed in uh, when we did get mm. him back, which can be seen as a good thing. And look, depending on what happens this off season with marquee slots and everything, there's money to burn. Mm. And, you know, let's hope that that gets spent. Moving on to the forwards, I want to start with Mitch Austin because it's a bit of an interesting one. He did get injured uh, throughout the, uh, towards the, the start of the year rather. Uh, played a total of five games, um, started three times, scored one goal. It's an interesting one because I think he's out of contract and I think that having, having you know, thinking during, during the season in a, in a time when we, we did lack a lot of depth, at no time did I think we need Mitch Austin in this team. No, I, I can't see him coming back. How is his E-League? You, you kept tabs on the E-League. How, how is his FIFA skills? I kept tabs in an ironic way. Um, <laughs> I, think he, I think he kissed... I, I think he... Sorry, I think he uh, lost most of his games, but also he didn't turn up for most of them, so he had other commitments. So he didn't actually participate in, in the E-League as much as the other commitments. I'm not sure. Eh. But... Uh, yeah... Un- ungradable, but gone next year, surely. It's, it's a waste of a, of I a spot. I don't know, like... Um, as in, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but the club might, you know, say to him, you know, stay on, but we're going to have to pay you a little bit less. Fifty grand the minimum. <laughs> Honestly, fifty grand the minimum. Um, take it or leave it. Goodbye. Wow. All right. Uh, next one we'll do uh, Kenny Athew. Now this is a guy who came and he was pretty unfit, pretty unfit, I think, at the start uh, of the season. It was the middle of the season. Had a total of six appearances, um, scored one goal for the Vuck during the A-League season, I believe. And what a nice goal it was. 118 minutes. So um, in the end, it was a really useful sub and Kevin Musket uh, began to trust him. And I think Mm -hmm. in the end, you have a very, very serviceable five out of 10, I would have thought. 
when we had Teo, Teo mm. Palazzari on the mm. show, it was a point in time where he was gone. Like, he was completely invisible from everything. Kenny. And I think I'd come out with the line that the experiment has failed and he's gone. And we, we had a discussion about the league and um, bringing people from the VPL and, you know, there there are gaps in the system for these kind of people to come into professional football in a salary cap league. Now, Kenny um, had something, something went on and he must have worked his ass off and got to the point where we finally saw him. We thought, okay, he's going to get a bit of charity time, but turned into something better than just a... A charity case for us, I think. I, I'm, I, it's no less than a five, no more than a five, but there's something within Kenny Athew that we need to give another year to. Absolutely. Yeah, and look, we'd pick him up for nothing, I'd, I'd assume, given his uh, situation with Heidelberg, and probably wouldn't command a great deal of wages. It's a tough one because I remember distinctly saying and writing him off myself at a certain period purely because it was like, we've just signed this guy and he's just finished the season yeah. in the NPL. And I thought to myself, how can he not be match ready when he's come straight out of that competition? Yeah, it just it seemed sense. like a weird thing. But you know what? I think a lot of our assumptions mid-season probably go to show that we were fucking wrong about quite a few things in terms of not knowing exactly what was going on in the inner sanctum. Kev was working towards something, and in the end, he worked towards having an impact player who played a significant role in certain games. You know, he wasn't amazing, but you know, we we talked about how he was uh, unpredictable. Yeah, when you we're know, when, that, when we're crying in December, Kev and the team are working towards April and May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he'd come on, and all of a sudden, like there'd be a sense of excitement. But you couldn't quite put your finger on what that excitement was. It was like, okay, here comes this guy and we're not quite sure what he's going to deliver. And when he was on the ball, you could see him sort of shuffling and, and, and you know, moving around. Oh, look, there's, there's, his, there's his crappy touch. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. brought a penalty for us. And oh, then that's good. Wasn't that, there was that one go, goal oh. where we there was a lot of, you know, laughter going around about how his it was his crap touch that actually resulted yeah. in the goal. Yeah. Now, you know, that's just an assumption and, and an observation, but it just seemed that way. But anyway, you get look. the beautiful diving header and you go, wow, there's something, there's something here. Five mm. out of ten for me. Five out of ten. Uh, we'll go next to... Oh, actually, I'll do Jai Ingham next just because we'll tick him off the list. Uh, he started off in the Kevin Muskets Boys Club. Um, although he did feature on the bench for, for the grand final, he didn't actually get on the field. I think he's probably done. I would say didn't show anything. Cost me a couple of hundred bucks in a multi when he missed yes. the sitter from out the front of the goal in uh, Geelong. Never Dylan. forgiven, never forget. Uh, three out of ten for me. I don't see a point in persisting with him. Um, the Instagram uh, stuff is great. <laughs> But um, it's not enough. It's we, not we, enough. We actually yeah. purely need to keep him on minimum wages just to bring him on in the ACL because he seems to only score in that competition. Well, he didn't score in the A League this season. He scored in the Asian Champions League. He did actually get two assists this season in the A League. Yeah. So let's give him a little bit of credit there. And look, he has always been a bench impact player, except for when there have been injuries. So yeah, look, three point five for me. Uh, Christian Theoharis is next. He played a total of 18 matches, um, started two of those, only scored one goal, 
but I think his impact was was quite profound as a super sub um, when he finally did get his chance um, during the season midway through the year. Um, I thought he just added an extra extra dimension to Melbourne victory. And, and Jace, uh, he's one of our own. Yes. He's one of our own. He really is. And look, 18 appearances, as you said, and... Uh, uh, look, I'm 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 a bit gutted that he's leaving. You know, we we seen uh, Pasquale come on, and then you know he's out the door. And I would really love to be able to see some of these actual our products just excel in the league for more than one for a season. Or, yeah, just yeah. for a little while, just you know, just get a bit of joy out of it. There is nothing more joyous than having you know your own lads from your own youth system come through and prove something in the oh, first time. Christy, Christy can be a weapon in this league, an absolute weapon, and I hope he follows the Don, uh, the Tommy Deng path of going out on loan and then coming back and killing it for a couple of years because if Marco Rojas is struggling overseas mm-hmm. in those leagues, because he'll go, he'll go to a second division Germany or a Belgium or, yeah. a, or, or an Eredivisie team. So um, good luck to him. He's, he's definitely good enough to have a go over there and he's... After you guys talked to him, he was talking up going to Europe, and um, all words are that he's going. He's done, yeah. Disappointing, disappointing if he goes. Um, but best of luck to him. It's too early. Yeah, Way too early. But Dan, Danny De Silva is mm. a great mm. example of recent memory. You know, he's gone over there and hasn't gone anywhere. And I, I just keep coming back to this whole theory of you know having to excel. And look, it's great. Yeah, I hate drawing comparisons with that mob, but Daniel Arzani yeah, obviously played more of a part in City's season than Thea Harris. Yeah. But he's signed on for another year, and I'm pretty sure he will be at City again next season. And that's the way it should be done. Just look at what Aaron Moy did. Yeah. Like just you've got to have seasons like that, and then you'll get you'll get selected over there. Yeah. So uh, so ratings, just quickly. Six. Six. I'm giving you a six as well. Six. Yep. Next one, uh, Costa Barbarousas I'll go with. Costa Barbarousas, uh, a total of 25 appearances, 10 goals, 4 assists. That is a very big tick for me. Um, there were times where, you know, probably in the start of the season, we was trying to find his rhythm, obviously missing through international duty and things like that. But well and truly, uh, towards the end of the season, he was in form in his purple, pat- purple patch. Um, instrumental, probably... Over the course of the three game final series, our MVP started slow, came home, started started slow, built up momentum, came home like a freight train. Uh, huge player, huge big game player. Uh, sick cunt, eight point five. Uh, Vuck legend. Let's be honest, and I, I would I would have to agree with eight point five. In the position that he plays, you know, it's that it's that constant thing around wingers, you know, you're depending on the supply and, you know, you've got limited chances to make an impact on a game. Costa, with 10 goals in the amount of games played in, in an A-League season from that position, is a great return on investment and I'm really happy with his season. Yeah, 8.5. He's so fit. He's so good yep. in the late stages of games. Oh, and the whole thing that um, I've talked about, I think it was last week, like... Just the amount of tracking back he does. Uh, I don't look, try and try and think of any other attacking player at another club that does that to the, that extent. Mm. You can't find him. Eight point five as well for me. 
Leroy George, uh, ah. a total of 29 appearances. Which is the most at the club yeah. this season. Play the most play the most games. Uh, nine goals, 15 assists, which is wow. huge. Look, during the year when all hope seems lo- seemed lost, it was consistently Leroy George who was carrying us on his shoulders. And for that, he will be a worthy winner of the victory medal on Saturday night. He well and truly deserves that oh, yep. accolade. And for me, I'm going to give a 9.9. Ran home with the uh, very prestigious FVS Pacific Medal Group Balls of Steel Player of the Year Award. Um you said it would be a waste to not win a championship with yes. Leroy George. <laughs> you did, <Yep>. yes. <laughs> and we got one for him. I'm so happy the, that he actually got to experience that. The complete package. Um, have, a, have a look at how much foreign import players can make or break a season. Contrast Leroy George with Alvaro Cejudo of the Western Sydney Wanderers. Paid $1.3 mm. at the Wanderers. Mm. What did he do? Fuck all. And we've got <laughs> nine goals out of Leroy and 15 assists. It's just an amazing return. Complete package. Beats players. Great cross. Long-range passes. Yeah, He's got such a cannon of a shot on him. I love him. I didn't get to go to the first game of the season because I just had surgery and watched the game on TV and was a bit excited by this guy, didn't know too much of him, and from the first game of the season, you just went, wow. He carried that all the way through until the final game of the year where he, I think he played his first 90 minutes. Uh, He didn't get, he was really not fit enough to play 90, but he did anyway. Put in a huge shift to the grand final. So basically what I'm saying, longevity of excellence over the whole season gets a 10 for me. Yeah, his time spent in the defensive half in the grand final was significant. He played a role where he gave everything in that grand final. He didn't obviously end up with a goal, um, was instrumental obviously in the first goal. Sorry, yeah, instrumental Mm -hmm. in the first goal with a free kick. Um, But he played a huge, huge role in that grand final and... Just great that we actually got him a championship. Um, hopefully, it entices him to stay, but I, I assume yeah. they were probably fighting a losing battle with that. It's a 10 from me as well. And, yeah, look, I'd love to be able to hold him, but I'm yeah, not too confident. Mm. He's that prototype Melbourne victory player. We don't go for the huge name marquee. We go for good pedigree that's going to bring something to the league and he's going to excite fans and probably didn't bring enough fans or, you know, I think there are a lot of factors that the fans dropped off this season. Yep. And that's unfortunate because this season we had one of our greatest that will ever pull the shirt on. Exciting, intelligent, flair, gives you end product. He's, he's the reason you go and watch football. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Bessat Barisha, the striker for Melbourne Victory. He played in a total of 28 games, 14 goals and 6 assists. Ooh, I don't know. Good. I'll, I'll say good. I'll, I'll give him an eight. Shots on target percentage better than any other, anyone else at the club. And, uh, m- you know, more shots on target than anyone else, which you would expect for the man who is at the, you know, the peak of that 4-2-3-1 formation that mm-hmm. we love so much under Kevin Musket. It's an interesting one. And, look, we didn't dwell on it in the last episode about his comments post-game about maybe he's achieved all that he can achieve at Melbourne Victory. I Part of me thinking, you know, big picture is like it would actually be good 
in a way if someone came in for him right now. It unlocks it unlocks that squad he's next He's just year. not a marquee player anymore in the league. Like I love him and he's been fantastic, but he's not marquee anymore. I, I kind of agree. I kind of agree. But then you look at it and you go 14 goals, 6 assists, probably giving you marquee returns. He's probably still... You're turning into a BJW, mate, a best no. art justice warrior. <laughs> Definitely not. But you sit there and you just haven't... I think we just need to let Bessart write Bessart's story now about what Bessart does and stop speculating because he just keeps, you know, you keep saying, fuck, he's been crap, he's you been crap. You know, I love the crap. fans here yeah. and, uh, you know, I see that they chant the Bessart, Berisha, <laughs> and then, and then my, my, son, my son, he <laughs> sings the song, <laughs> he goes, oh, Bessart, Berisha. <laughs> I have more championship medals than I have children now. I don't know how to do these medals. You know, I like... They go to Brisbane, I conquer Brisbane. I come to Melbourne, I conquer Australia. And what I is see, there left for me to I do see in the this? fans, they chant, and I love it here in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. We'll end off with the manager, Kevin Musket. And what an oh, up and down year for Kevin Musket. We, uh, we taunted him. We called for his head. We booed him. I didn't no, boo no, him. it's just us. It's collective fans. We booed him. I never booed him. fucking booed him heaps. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, sorry, Kevin. record, I did not boo. I reckon... I no, reckon... I did not boo that man. I reckon Kevin Musket got a talking to after that booing incident. And he changed his, his ways. I don't think he did that off his own accord. I think he was told to do that at the same time that he was extended for his contract. But credit where credit is due. This man has been a part of all four championships for Melbourne Victory. Uh, manager for two of those. And this was a year in which he came up against adversity as much as he has ever done. Certainly his managerial career. I'm going to take my hat off to Kevin Musket. But with that said, I'm only giving him a seven. <laughs> yeah, and look... There was a period, sort of mid, mid kind of period of the season, perhaps a bit later, where a bit of a discussion started on the forum, and everyone was like, "Whoa, Dave's changed his tune," and everyone was going, "Oh, are you getting paid off by the club, mate, to make these comments about Kev?" You know, but in all honesty, there was something that you know, objectively, if you looked at the record, and if you looked at the fact that he's just been at the club you know, this is his first senior role all of these factors he's still growing and evolving and he definitely i mentioned it in the last episode he has shown signs of growth and evolution that cannot be denied there are factors about kev that we don't like in terms of the style and some of that stubbornness remains but you cannot deny the results and that is what it comes down to football is a results business it's about Trophies. Over to you. Love him. Best <laughs> best guy ever. <laughs> uh, seriously. Uh, fuck, I don't, I don't, I still so don't, hard, oh, yeah. I did it. Um, seven. Uh, start Every year you start with a ten and he probably went down to about a three. And then he won points back dramatically. Um, well, what can you say? Every grand final that Melbourne Victory's ever won... We haven't conceded a goal. Mm-hmm. 11-4. Uh, 
11 goals for none against and the only in the ones we've won and the only ones we've lost we have lost by penalties and he's been involved in every single one of them Mr. Melbourne victory absolutely deserving of the two year extension oh it's a bargain now because it's, we signed him at the lowest fucking point he's probably a, probably a bargain at that, that time of the year and you know if we happen to have a successful season next season as I mentioned in the last episode will be the most successful club in Australian football history that, and, that's and from incredible the all of it. oh look there's all the shit sorry Kev Sorry, Kev. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it too. There's no better <laughs> feeling than being on a winning terrace and chanting that man's name and watching him come over and, you know, shake his hands to you. It's uh, There's something deep within it. There's something tribal within it. There's something that's been um, constant with the whole time we've supported yep. this club. As long as you, all three of us have known each other, yep. our association with Melbourne Victory has also been with Kevin Musket. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given his life pretty much to this yeah. club and we probably don't, as supporters, take that for granted. So, um, job done again, Kev. Well done. Salute to Kev. Uh, but I can't gloss over the fact that we did play poor football for five or six months, really. Yeah. Um, so when you think about it, hopefully, I don't I don't think the club has lost sight of the fact that things need to change from a structural point of view, whether that's more help for Kevin, um, a change in formation, a change in game style. I think we are going to see changes next year. I think the club are smart enough to realise that we played three good weeks of football probably out of 27 or 30 weeks. I hope. Yep. Oh, look, the that. club's bottom line was getting hit this year too. Mm-hmm. The yeah. tendencies yep. were failing. Um, sponsors, obviously. Mor- morale. Yeah, you know, mor- morale yeah. around the club. Um, you know, he's got the two-year extension. There's stability at the club. And this was one of the key pillars of what I was talking about. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like having someone in place gives a plan for the future. You're allowed to then sort of tell the players, this is how it's going to be. You bring in people that believe in your mission. And that is sometimes better than having us... Not sometimes. It is always better than having a scenario where you don't know as a player... Yeah, Sydney FC right now, are heading into this off-season, Graham Arnold's gone. Personnel-wise, they're just as strong as anyone else, but who knows what's going to happen as now? As soon as that announcement was made, their season started yep. falling apart. And, you know, you've heard the stories. Reese Williams came to Melbourne Victory to play for Kevin Musket. Terry Antonis came to Melbourne Victory to play for Kevin Musket. So what happens if we sack him or he leaves? What happens with those guys? Mm-hmm. They probably want out straight away. Yep. So stability, yeah. It's a, winning, it's a winning mentality at a successful club with great infrastructure, with great fans. And, you know, we've won a championship again. And if you're a player now that's sort of on the, the outer or the fringe of where you're currently at and you're thinking, I need to resurrect my career again, look at our record in doing that compared to anyone else in the country, players that have come and gone on to greater things. The place to be. So there we have it, uh, a championship against all odds, um, every player rated there. Um, there'll still be so much more to go on the bridge with possible departures, arrivals in the next few days. Um, we might do podcasts 
throughout the off-season as they come to hand if, uh, if any extra information comes. I think we're going to sign Corey Brown and uh, Storm Rude. That will be probably announcements that come in the next oh. week if they haven't done already by the time this podcast airs. Um, we're hopefully going to do one more podcast next week. Um, we're probably running out of time here, but we're probably going to do one more podcast next week. We might wrap up the season finally there. I think we missed one guy. Shout out, Dino Julbich. Best cameo oh, ever. Oh. <laughs> that was very good. Yeah. He was uh, he was vital at a time in which we were pretty shit. He, uh, he was pretty good. Uh, but we'll leave it there for now. Uh, boys, thanks for coming in. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we haven't seen you for the last time. No, the crack was mighty boys this season it really was mm. uh, it was a tough season to have to meander our way yeah. through you know there were a lot of ups a lot of downs more downs than ups I'd say but you know look at look at the weekend we had and look where it's ended and you know we're wrapped mm-hmm. tough times don't last tough people do mon the vac mon <laughs>